0: My Car Guru, Season 11, Episode 79. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to the 4th of July, 2023. Well, I remember when I was, uh, before the year 2000, when I was younger, you know, like in the 80s and 90s, I would think, man, I'm going to be 43 years old in the year 2000. And now it's 2023, and I'm 66. (laughs) Mm, that hurts, but I can honestly say that I am enjoying myself more now than I ever have. Being 25% retired is not bad. I know it's not a hundred percent retired, but who would want to do that? I mean, you got to have a project. You've got to have a reason to get up other than to run errands. Don't you think? So find you a reason. Today, I'll give you a reason to listen. We're going to talk about the most popular cars from every decade since cars became a thing back in the early days. I'm going to tell you what the first decade bestseller was. I bet you can't guess. I bet you can't guess how many they sold either. You know, it's really an interesting thing to see how this business has evolved over the years. 120-plus years. You know, we've made a bunch of cars over that period of time. I guess most of them have either end up rusted, ended up rusted, recycled, maybe crushed. But some of them remain. I've got a 1930 uh, Model A Ford out here on the showroom floor that looks like a brand-new car. That's what I love about uh, the old car business is just resurrecting and just keeping it going. Even the young people. um when they see me driving that car, it's just like, what is that? Uh, they they don't go to car shows. Um, most people that have Model A's, Model T's, and so forth keep them in their garages unless they have a special event to go to. And you're not going to find a lot of these uh, Generation Z or wherever we are right now going to the kind of car shows that you and I would want to go to. They want to see Honda Civics. You know, they want to see uh, Hyundai Veloster's, that kind of stuff, which does not appeal to me or you probably. But there's not a lot of Model A lovers left. Most of the people that wave at me and honk their horns and, you know, give me a high five and stuff are older. You know, they have gray hair. But occasionally you'll get that youngster that'll look out and say, man, that's cool. And that is what I love. I love to have people enjoy seeing these old cars. It just makes, uh, it makes them feel good. and It makes me feel good that they feel good. So anyway, let's talk about some of these iconic cars. 1900 to 1909, what would you guess was the best-selling car? Well, there weren't many cars. You know, there weren't many roads at that point. Very few paved roads. Everything was dirt. No interstates. No motels. No McDonald's. None of that stuff. People were either in the city you know, clustered around the large cities where they were in the country and they were farmers or they were businesses designed to support farming. Um, you know, you go to a small town. My dad grew up in a little town called Ripley, West Virginia. And I guarantee you back in the that 1900 to 1909 time frame, people were riding in wagons. If somebody drove through in a car, it was an event. And so there probably weren't any. You know, it was a, it was a different world back then, for sure. Not necessarily a worse world, given all the stuff that we're going through right now. What was the best-selling car back then? Well, it was the Oldsmobile Curved Dash. All this looks like is a carriage. A little bit thicker wheels and, uh, t- well, I'm sorry, a little bit thicker tires. But it literally has a curved dash. I wouldn't call that a dash. It's just a curved piece of metal. Looks like a sleigh, really, and it has a carriage seat on it, a little trunk on the back, and the engine is kind of underneath the uh, the seat and the rear cargo area. But he had the first assembly line in auto manufacturing. Uh, the assembly line is where the first mass-produced American car was made, which was the Oldsmobile Curved Dash. This car more resembled a carriage. Minus a horse than any modern automobile I'm reading now, obviously. Uh, the curved dash became the best-selling car in America. Oldsmobile produced up to 5,000 units per year, selling for a very expensive price, $650. That doesn't sound expensive to you. It was in 1900. Uh, most car makers of the day catered to the wealthiest of clients. Those were the only people that could afford to pay $650 for a car. Uh, the Oldsmobile was very simple. It had it didn't have a steering wheel. It had a uh, a tiller, basically. It just kind of curved up from the steering gear, and rested right at your right hand, and you would just move it side to side. Uh, brakes? Well, you had to pull a big lever to get the thing to stop, and, and you had to pray just a little bit. The GM Heritage Center at the what do they call it? The Renaissance Center. They keep a 1903 model on display, and it has a single-cylinder engine and produced a whopping four horsepower with a chain drive. Okay, well, I guess you can guess what was the best-selling vehicle from 1910 to 1919. That's right, Henry, Model T Ford. You know, it's really hard to understate the impact that the Model T had on just overall society, whether you're talking about industry, culture, um, And it's really all over the world. It was introduced in 1908, and it was the first mass-produced vehicle that Henry uh, built. You know, he had seen a lot of different production ideas in slaughterhouses, believe it or not, and that's where he got the idea for auto production. Um, To make his factory work, he also had to integrate standardized parts. Previously, most cars and their parts were hand-built one at a time. And uh, the parts were custom fit to each car. Well, you can't do that if you're trying to do mass volumes like Henry was able to accomplish. But with the Model T, the parts were all mass produced to the same specifications so that they would fit on uh, all the cars the same. So it was a tremendous success. Henry, however, still wanted to do better. So he wanted his cars to be available to everyone. 650. For a car with a tiller for a steering wheel and and no cover whatsoever uh, was very expensive. But even when Henry started building the Model T, they had roofs, they had windows, but they only cost $260 because he wanted his workers at his plants to be able to afford to buy the vehicle that that they were producing. What that took was a wage of $5 a day, which was really unprecedented. In 1914, So that's one of the main reasons why Henry's Model T was the best seller for that period of time. Okay, I'm going to take my first break, and I'll be back with this list in just a minute. Okay, I am back, 1920 to 1929. My dad was born in 1927, my mom in 1930, um, and Ford during that time was still dominating auto sales. It was in 1928, however that Chevrolet finally surpassed Ford with the most units sold. And it put into full swing a rivalry that continues today. The rivalry is not as brutal as it was back then and all through previous decades. I mean, Ford and Chevrolet were at each other's throats all the time. They were the dominant players. They're not anymore. Ford's still a dominant player. Uh, GM or Chevrolet... You know, with their trucks and some of the other stuff, but uh, not as much as Ford is. I hate to say it. Well, no, I don't hate to say it since I'm a Ford dealer. Now, the Chevrolets in the 20s had some distinct advantages over the Fords. The reason for that was Henry could be a little bit of a jerk at times. He didn't want to change anything. He thought his original design was good enough. Why innovate? While his competitors were very busy innovating. Uh... For example, the Chevrolet offered four-wheel mechanical brakes as opposed to Ford's two-wheel brakes. They could stop better. And the frame would also accommodate an all-new six-cylinder engine for the 1929 model year. And people like the extra power and smoothness of the six-cylinder. That Model A that I have is a 1930 model, and it is rough. It's like driving a tractor. It vibrates a lot and makes all kinds of noises. That's one of the reasons I like it, though, however... Jumping to the 1930 to 39, uh, Ford developed a new engine. It was called the Flathead V8 in 1932, and it became an instant success. It didn't have a whole lot of horsepower, but it had a lot more, and it was very smooth, and it sounded good. And Bonnie and Clyde really liked it because they could get away from the cops real easily. Uh, V8 engines were reserved for higher-end cars, you know, like Cadillacs and Oldsmobiles, and that made Ford's decision... To produce a low-cost V8, very advantageous. So, you know, we did have a little economic problem going going on at that time called the Depression. So uh, it was funny, though, that despite those conditions, the Ford sold extremely well. These new Fords were popular for their high performance, uh, making them popular choices for uh not only Bonnie and Clyde, but Don or I'm sorry, John Dillinger really liked them. Uh, since then, 32 Ford has become a favorite for the hot rod scene. They call them the Deuce Coops, but they're common. Uh made famous also as the automotive mascot for the Texas band ZZ Top. You know. Okay, enough of my singing. 40 to 49. You know, the 40s were a very turbulent time, to say the least. World War II uh, loomed large for the better part of the decade, and all automobile construction ended for the duration of the war. Now, passenger cars for consumers stopped being made, but vehicle production ramped up. So they were still producing vehicles. Well, a lot of them were producing airplanes and B-24 bombers and and, uh, howitzers, you know, so that they could lob a bunch of nasties at the uh, Germans. But the most iconic and re- recognized vehicle from this time and that was the best or the most mass-produced vehicle was the Willys MB, which is commonly referred to as the Jeep. Originally designed and produced by American Bantam, the, uh, this uh, MB, Willys MB Jeep proved to be the, a very valuable asset to soldiers as it crossed over the terrain in Europe Um, American Bantam did not have the production capacity to keep keep up with the demand of the war department, so plans were given to Willys and Ford. Ford also developed or or manufactured a lot of Jeeps. Basically, they built 643,000 of those things for the military, and many of them still exist. I had a car show not too long ago, and a guy showed up in one, and he wouldn't sell it. I would love to have one of those. They drive awful, but They're iconic. You know, it's just a really cool thing. Okay, now we may be getting into the decade that you remember, since you're probably about, well, you might not be my age. But the 50s, right? 50 through 59. What was the best-selling car 1950 through 59? Well, if you guessed the car of the year by Motor Trend Magazine in 1955 that had a V8 engine. Uh, They built a similar body style, similar, not exactly the same, in 55, 56, and 57. And you guessed the Chevrolet Bel Air, you would have guessed correctly. You know, they basically represent some of the best styling of what is referred to as the atomic age. Um, And they've aged really well. They are uh, very ubiquitous at car shows still. I would love to have a nice 57. I had a 55. My brother and I bought one. And it was, this was probably 1976, 78, somewhere in that neighborhood. Let's see. He was at school. No, it's probably 75 or 76. So I was in college and uh, so was he, but he wasn't in medical school yet. And so my dad told us about this 55 that they had traded for. It was turquoise and white. And we came home and looked at it, and it was like new. And I said, well, what can we buy it for? And Dad, pri- my dad, my own dad, priced it to us for $1,500. Today, that car would be worth mm, maybe 45000 50000 So uh, we bought it, and we kept it. We just didn't get to drive it that much. It just stayed on their carport all the time. So finally, we decided... To sell it, Dad said, well, I can double your money. I can settle for 3000 We thought we had hit the biggest home run. Little, little did I know how they would appreciate. But the 55 and through 57 Chevys, the 57 is the one I like with the tail fins. I like the dashboard better. Uh, I like the bumpers better. I, I just think it's the more iconic of the cars. Don't you? Um, let's see. What else here? Cor- Corvette. People say, well, I th- would think the Corvette would have sold really well. Nah, it really didn't. I mean, it had a major impact on the auto industry because of the fiberglass body and it created a whole new segment in this country. Uh, the Thunderbird actually sold a whole lot more cars than Corvette did back in the 50s. And then Corvette or Chevrolet finally figured out hey, let's put a V8 in this thing. And then it started selling. And then they started doing really well. But still, the Thunderbird has outsold the Corvette consistently for many years. 1960 to 69, these were very formative years for the car guru. Um, obviously, there were some real big winners. Winners. The biggest winner happened in 1965. That's when the Chevrolet Impala sold at numbers that we've never seen since. They sold over a million Chevrolet and Palace in 1965. Now the closest any vehicle has gotten to that in the United States is the F-150, which sells you know typically in the 800 to 900 thousand. But you know the F-150 is a truck, and you know how popular trucks are. This was a passenger car. This is when people still wanted to buy passenger cars. Uh, they had they came in all different body styles: a four door, two door. Uh, they had the SS model. Uh, they had a Biscayne, a Bel-, Bel Air, and an Impala. So basically, they had something for everyone as far as a passenger car. But still, it was a car. How many um, manufacturers do you see that are building passenger cars still? You know how many F- uh, Chevrolet builds? Corvette. And they're dropping the Camaro. How many does Ford build? Mustang. That's it. All the cars are gone. It's because all you people out there, you stop buying them. It's not our fault. You didn't want them. We had them. You know, we had Ford Fusions and Focuses and, uh, what else we have, Tauruses. You know, at one time, back in the late 70s, the Taurus was the best-selling car in the country. It outsold the Honda Accord and everything, but Ford ruined it. They decided to change it, make it even more rounded than it was. They just went nuts for ovals for some reason. And that killed it because... um, the Japanese had more sense. They, they started building Toyota Camrys and Honda Accords in a way that people just loved, and, and so that's what happened. If you go fast forward a little bit to the 70s, this was also a very formative era for the guru. I graduated from high school in 1974 and college in 1978, and then got married to the one, one I still have, I haven't been able to shake her. Wouldn't want to if I could. But uh, the best-selling car in the 70s, by far, Oldsmobile Cutlass. Wasn't that the best-selling car at the very beginning of the auto industry? Yes. But you're talking about uh, production levels for the Cutlass. Uh, in 1977, 630,000. It was the best-selling car from 76 through 83. And, I, you know, I never really could could figure out why it sold so many more than its General Motors siblings other than the fact that the um, the Malibu was ugly and uh, the designers, I don't know what they thought, but the Cutlass had this grill that kind of came up and then went back on the the uh, hood just, well not on the hood, but on the, the front end just a little bit. It kind of curved back. Uh, yeah, they had little opera windows and put puffy seats and the V8 engines did really good. Now, when they did the big downsizing in 1977, everything went down a notch. The full-size cars went to mid-size. The mid-size went to a little bit to not comp Well, I guess that would would call it a compact. They still sold because they kept a lot of the design cues that people had grown to appreciate. So, uh, But the 80s came along. And when you look at 80 to 89, what was the best sell- best-selling car in the United States? No longer an American car honda accord yes i remember when the honda dealer opened up in greenville tennessee where i live i didn't think those things would sell they were too small looking you know looked like a i mean they even had a motorcycle engine but that was early on they figured out a few things and came out with the accord and then they came out with the civic and the rest is history uh Let's see, 1980, when was it they opened the motorcycle plant? Okay, Marysville, Ohio, they opened up a motorcycle plant in 1981. And so they they figured out Americans and how they work, and they decided that uh, they would start building Accords in the United States. And so it actually became the number one selling car in 19, uh, 1989. yeah. 367,707 units, eventually, It would surpass 20 million overall cars built by um, until recent times. Pretty amazing success story. Uh, 1990, I I told you that uh, the Ford Taurus was the best-selling car. It wasn't back in the 70s. 1990 through 1999, the Ford Taurus um, became the the best-selling vehicle. It actually came out in 1985. It stunned everybody. I mean, all the other manufacturers were, were making these uh, boxes, and, and Ford came out with this very swoopy-looking thing. And uh, it sold. It got Motor Trend Car of the Year, Car and Driver's 10 Best for 1986, and, and it sold like crazy. 2000 to 2009, I hate to even say it, the Toyota Prius was the most popular car. And then in 2010 through 2019, another Japanese car, the to- the uh, Toyota Camry. See how I'm kind of flying through this is because I'm less interested. I just don't care about them. We don't know who's going to be the best-selling car of the 2020s. I'll-, I'll venture a guess, though, here in just a minute. Okay, I am back. As far as cars are concerned, the best-selling car, be it, well, cars and slash you know, SUVs and stuff, the best-selling vehicle is probably going to be the Toyota RAV4. Now, I know, I don't get it either, but um, a lot of a lot of people like that car. Best-selling overall vehicle is going to continue to be full-size trucks until people get tired of paying the big bucks for them. In the meantime, it's going to continue to dominate the highways and, and the sales numbers and really carry the fortunes of Of General Motors and Ford along with it. I mean, that's their bread and butter. You got to take care of your bread and butter. Well, thanks for listening to this July 4th edition of My Car Guru. I want you to be safe. You know, you've got a whole day and, you know, be with family. Uh, Don't do anything silly. Don't blow your fingers off with fireworks. Let's be smart, be careful, be happy, and I'll see you tomorrow.